In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On this baptism of our Lord feast, the question always comes up, why on earth did Jesus, of all people, come to be baptized? It's sort of a mystery. Well, William Barclay, a New Testament scholar, has a great line of thought about how this might have occurred. Of course, Jesus had a human mind, a human soul. He developed like we do. And so early on, Jesus began to understand that he was unique in many ways. When he was 12 years old, he stayed back in the temple and was speaking to all the theologians and all the leaders of the scribes and at a conversation way up on this level at 12 years old. Well, many years passed by as Jesus had reflections about who he was and what he was called to do and to be in God. When his cousin, John the Baptist, began to come out of the wilderness and to preach and to call people to return to God, And that return required for them to repent and to confess their sins and to come back to God. William Barclay says that maybe Jesus at that moment knew in his heart, this is my opportunity to join this movement back to God. Israel returning back to the living God. And Jesus submitted himself to John's baptism as a way of being a part of that at the center of that maybe to identify with all those others who are returning to God. And so, in our baptism scene that is in the Gospel of Luke today, Jesus is baptized, he's praying, as a matter of fact, which is different than Matthew and Mark, he's praying, and Jesus hears the voice of the Father, you are my beloved Son, I'm well pleased with you. Now, We get to spy on this conversation because the way that the Gospels are written, we get a front row seat about that conversation between the Father and the Son that is taking place in prayer. Maybe John the Baptist heard that as well because he sort of says that in uh, his own Gospel of John. But we get to visit this scene where Jesus hears the Father confirm his identity. Uh, Again, William Barclay thinks that when Jesus heard the voice of the Father, because he was saturated in Israel's scriptures, he took away two things. The first was that he indeed is the Messianic King because this uh, part about being you are my beloved son is found in the second Psalm, uh, verse 7 as a description of the Messianic King. The second thing he took away was something from Isaiah 42, which developed into Isaiah 53, which is the portion of the scripture that talks about the suffering servant of Israel. The servant that takes on the sins of the people, not his own, to bear them in order to redeem Israel. So Jesus confirms in his own minds that he is, in fact, the Messiah. And secondly, that his Messiahship 
is not to round up the strong people in Israel and fight against the Romans to kick them off the, uh, the hills of Jerusalem. Rather, it is to suffer and to ultimately die bearing the sins of the people as the suffering servant of Isaiah. Those are wonderful thoughts. I'm not sure if they're uh, exactly true, but they make all the sense in the world. So the Father spoke to Jesus to confirm his identity and to give him a charge about what his life as the Messiah, in fact, would be. And our own baptism also gives us this same sense of identity and then a call to mission. In baptism, our baptism into Christ and into this Trinitarian life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, by that baptism, we become children of God. And so our primary identity is given to us as a gift and as a grace that we are each a beloved child of God. And that we don't have to do anything to earn that, We don't have to do anything to make that happen. It is simply a gift given to us. God tells us who we are. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. It would be like saying to William James, well, if you work really hard and pass all the tests and make a perfect score, then you'll be a child of God and you'll be beloved. No, God's love and grace is just poured out on all of us, and especially today on William James, because it's a gift of grace. God gives us our identity. So it is our beginning of our life in God, but it is important because it is the foundational truth of who we are. God tells us who we are. We receive it as a gift, accept it as a gift of grace. Every Sunday, we have a chance actually to remind ourselves of who we are, God's beloved children, as baptized Christians, by dumping our thumb in the water of the baptismal font font and making the sign of the cross in the same place that we were signed on the forehead in our own baptism. We started doing that months ago. We didn't make a big deal about it, but it makes sense to tell you today that baptismal water or holy water sometimes is in the baptismal font in the narthex. You can still come up and do it even though the font is there because this font belongs to you because this is your place. But we can remind ourselves that we are beloved children of God. And I think that we do have to continually remind ourselves of that essential gift of God. Because there's many things in the world, many voices, voices in our own hearts that distract us and lead us away from that foundational identity. If we were just to start with our thoughts, we have good thoughts sometimes, we have bad thoughts sometimes. Sometimes we have thoughts, we wonder where these thoughts came from. So we can't find our identity in our thoughts. We can't find our identity in our feelings because those flap in the wind. Not that feelings are not unimportant because they are, but we can't base our identity on our feelings because those are so fluid. 
from day to day. Who knows what we might be feeling? We can't base our uh, identity on our behavior because the truth is we do good some days and we do bad some days. Some days we seem to be according, uh, walking according to our principles. Other days we're betraying those things. And so that can't be our identity. But if we were to take an elevator and go all the way down to the basement, to the bedrock, the foundation that we will find ourselves at is God's given identity to us. That we are children of God, beloved before we do anything. And just to put it very simply to you, sin and evil are not our identity. Because sin and evil came after God, after the good creation, and after the good. The definition of evil is striving against the good. And therefore the good is already prior to the evil. And so when you get down to the very bottom, the foundation, there is God, there is goodness, and there is love, and that's what remains. And so our identity in God, in love, is our primary identity, and we need to remind ourselves of it. Someone sent me a fantastic article, and I just had to use it because it fits so well with this baptism and this identity that we're given. Uh, It was written by someone named Jeannie Coonian, and it's about Trevor Lawrence. Now, who knows who Trevor Lawrence is? Yes, okay, well I need to explain this. Uh, It appears that we have very few football fans in the congregation today. Trevor Lawrence is the freshman quarterback of Clemson. Clemson University has beaten Alabama two out of the last seasons for the national championship. And for many people around the United States, maybe not for you, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Anyway, now, uh, Trevor is 19 years old. And he shows such poise on the field that people are just, you know, they're wowed by him. Now, when I was a freshman, uh, I, I, I don't remember having these type of great thoughts that Trevor had. I was thinking about all sorts of other things, but listen to what he said in a video at the beginning of this season. This is before he won the national championship. And this is what Trevor says. He says, football's important to me, obviously, but it's not my life. It's not the biggest thing in my life. I would say my faith is. That just comes from knowing who I am outside of that. No matter how big the situation is, it's not really going to define me. I put my identity and who Christ thinks I am and who I know he says I am so that at the end of the day, It doesn't really matter what people think about me or how good they think I play. That's definitely been a big thing for me in my situation, just knowing that and having confidence in that. He's a 19-year-old freshman, and he already knows who he is. He knows that his identity is in Christ and in God, and that is absolutely secure. And it doesn't matter whether he throws a good pass or a bad pass because that identity is not going to change. It is rock solid. Now that is 
really, really incredible. She goes on to speak about uh, how almost half of our young people have problems with anxiety and how that maybe this performance trap that young people can get into because they're called upon to be perfect in every single way. They have to be perfect in every subject, in every sport, in every endeavor. And the pressure is very significant. Now, there's a difference between striving for excellence as a child of God, which we should strive for, and the anxiety that we all normally feel to get through new situations. There's a difference between that and having to be perfect. So there's a difference between excellence and perfection and pressure for perfection to create some type of image. There's, those are two different things. And so uh, she makes the remark that there are so many voices that young people hear. Voices like, you are insignificant. You're not enough. You don't measure up. You're a disappointment. And many, many voices. Some adults hear those same voices even now. I think that the people that are struggling most with some of those things about their identity aren't here because they just don't even feel like they belong in church because their idea is that you have to be perfect to be in church, but nothing could be further from the truth. If only they could hear this good news, this good news about God's love, this good news of baptism about becoming sons and daughters of God, beloved, regardless of what we do as our base identity. And then God is with us to strengthen us, to give us a plan for a future. And so I just want to quote this last portion uh, from her article. She said, the only one who gets to define you is the one who created you, the one who redeemed you, and the one who loves you. And that's God. Let me say that again. The only one who gets to define me and you, she says, is the one who has created us, the one who has redeemed us, and the one who loves us. And that's God. She says, the secret Trevor Lawrence knows, and the one we all need to share with our kids, is this. When they fail and when they succeed, when they do lovable things and when they do unlovable things, when they make team captain or don't make the team at all, when they get into college, the college of their dreams, or they barely graduate, their inherent worth is unwavering. They have a God who calls them by name. He knows every hair on their head and every dream in their heart, and he has a plan for their life, a good plan, a plan that will unfold in God's perfect timing, a plan created by a God who can do far more than we could ever imagine when our lives are surrendered to him. And so we have this greatest gift of all in holy baptism because it ends the old life of Adam, the old life connected with sin and evil and suffering and death, and ushers us into a new identity, into a new life. Life with God, our ultimate identity. And on this day, we give thanks for the baptism of our Lord 
and also for the baptism of William James, and it looks like he's ready to go. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>